0: It's time for episode 137 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 18th, 2016, and brought to you by IT Pro TV. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise the Tech Podcast, where brevity is our second nature. I'm your co-host Ann Morin, and across this vast country of ours is my fellow co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. It's good to be here. It is. It's, we're recording a little uh, a little later in the day than we usually do.
0: Yeah, we watched the uh, Google I.O.
1: keynote and uh, wanted to be timely, so we did that, and now we're doing a podcast. And the good news is we are joined, as always, by two excellent guests. To my left, it is from Macworld and all those related pro- properties, Caitlin McGarry. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome back.
2: Hi, thanks for
0: having me. And to my left, it is our favorite Slovenian tech <laughs> correspondent. You know him, you love him, but you probably can't pronounce his name. It's Andrzej Tomic. Hi.
3: Hi. You can pronounce my name. You've gotten very good at it. Thank you.
1: So we have four topics today, and I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that most of them have to do with the aforementioned Google I-O keynote. So I'll kick things off talking about one of the first big announcements to come out of this today's uh, event. And that is Google's uh, presumptive competitor to the Amazon Echo named the Google Home. Uh, which, like the Echo, is a Bluetooth speaker, or well, we presume it's a wireless speaker with a intelligent assistant living inside of it—some sort of imp or goblin, I can only assume. <laughs> uh, and so, I guess my question for you folks is: uh, Is this a smart play on Google's part? Can this compete with the Echo and all the sort of advanced, uh, you know, early adoption that the Echo has gotten? Will Google surpass them? What are your prognostications for this field? Caitlin, what do you think?
2: So it's hard to say because obviously Google Home hasn't been released yet and Amazon Echo is already out there. Um, so Home could be, you know, a, a buggy disaster essentially. But it does seem really appealing. I love the design. Um, and I think the voice search could be a lot better than on the Echo, which in my own experience is. It's just okay. Alexa's kind of hit or miss understanding um, what you're saying, but um, I yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really curious to to pit them head to head and see which one is better. I, I think I think Google might have an advantage with the search, though.
0: Yeah, Google's um, Google's services and all the other work that Google's done in terms of its data is a huge advantage here. I think. Um I love that Amazon showed that this is a product category that should exist and now Google and possibly Apple will rush in to try and grab some of it too but Google has a lot of advantages here it, it, its ecosystem is broader it's also more international as a company and I think that one of the f- pieces of feedback we've we've heard from a lot of people is the Amazon Echo yeah it's great it's in the United States that's it right and I think <laughs> Google will play in a on a on a broader canvas so um and I'll throw in there the multi uh, sort of the multi-home. Uh, multi-item in a home, multi-room support is very impressive. The fact you can start playing music and it will play in all the places uh, that you've got one of these in your home. They all kind of interact. That's something that the Amazon products don't do. And that they also have uh, Google Cast support. So you have the the idea there that it will play uh, from its own speaker, but it can also play on other devices. And that's something that Amazon hasn't been able to do yet either. So a lot of advantages to Google having something like this in their their infrastructure. So I think it's going to be a very strong competitor for Amazon. And if I were Amazon, I'd be like, okay, game on. We got to we gotta do even more now.
3: Well, yeah, like Jason said, you know, like this is the first one of those thingies. I don't know how you call these devices, but it's the first one I've actually been excited about because Google has somehow started supporting my, uh, my language, Slovenian. And that makes it like that makes it exciting just on its own. Cause I, the, the echo is just useless uh, for me because Amazon barely knows where we are <laughs> and really does not care about us. And as you can hear my, like my English pronunciation is, you know, let's call it weird for the lack of a better word. But yeah, Google's thing will probably like speak Slovenian, which is kind of you know still mind-boggling because uh they integrate the slovenia into google docs and i tried it with a mic and it actually works so just the thought of me actually speaking my own language into a device and then that device performing a search, which I can do now on my phone, but having that at home and the, all of the Chromecast integration, like I'm I'm genuinely excited about this, like for the first, because I've been he- hearing, you know, Dan and Jason talk about the Echo forever <laughs> at this point. And I'm just, usually when I listen to this show or other shows, I just sit there quietly and, you know, like, resist the urge to fast forward, but now maybe <laughs> <laughs> like I'll, I'll actually be able to do just that. On no, it Yeah, but no. But honestly, like I know for you guys because you're all American, like it, you really just anything new that comes out, it's like, oh, I'm going to use that. Like for us, you know, it's usually, you know, uh, does it speak with my language? And for a long time, the answer was no, and now apparently, the answer might be yes. So yeah,
1: yeah, I I agree. I think that Google Home will be a solid competitor because of things like the ecosystem. You know, Amazon's had great strides in making a really broad ecosystem by trying to work with a lot of different partners. Google has the advantage of having a lot of those function a lot of those functions and features already somewhere else on its platform. So I agree with Jason that the ability to you know, say to your Google home, hey, show this thing on my TV is super cool. I really want that on the Echo. And in theory, using the Fire TV, it could do something very similar. Um, and being able to sort of play in all those little ecosystem areas is very potentially handy because right now some of the links for especially Amazon and say iOS are really kind of tenuous at best. Um, Google also potentially brings more of a, I don't want to say brand recognition, but like this seems more in line with something they do than Amazon for the, for Amazon, it always seemed like a weird product for Google. It seems like a much more natural extension that's kind of in their wheelhouse. So I I think Google probably has a good shot at making this even more popular, which, you know, could in turn help the Echo. And I think especially the best news for all of us as consumers who might be interested in this category of devices, whatever we're going to call it, is that, you know, Amazon has a lot of incentive to work even harder uh, on the Echo and roll out even more features and improve it even further. So uh, I think this is probably good news all around until it is, you know, revealed that all these devices are basically spying on us, in which case we'll just all throw them out. Uh, thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your thoughts on that one, um, Caitlin. What's your topic? So
2: uh, today we saw a preview of Google Assistant, which is what powers Google Home. Um, it's sort of like Google Now on steroids. It can answer any question. It can buy movie tickets for you, book dinner reservations, all of this stuff. Um, super important stuff. And I'm I'm curious as to whether Apple is. Holding itself back when it comes to Siri, um, whether Siri will ever be as fully featured as something like Google Assistant could be when it's released. Um, or if their their stance on privacy, which is really admirable, is also keeping Siri from being able to do all of these really cool things.
0: Yeah, you know, you it's a great question. I think some of this is about Apple's uh, approach where they don't have, Apple's at a disadvantage for some stuff because they don't have this big cloud of data about you uh, that that uh, they can calculate on servers and relay information to you. All the stuff needs to sort of happen on your devices. But these devices are pretty powerful. I think that there are still, uh, you know, there are still ways for Apple to do that. But the larger question for me is like, what is Siri doing? Where is Siri going? Because Siri, if you think about it, since it was introduced it kind of i mean it's gotten better but it hasn't gotten a lot better it's gotten a little bit better and it needs to be a lot better because the competition is really is really rough and it it, it needs to be a lot smarter than it's been and i hope that it gets uh, smarter, but this is a question about like what are Apple's priorities with Siri? Uh, how does Siri work with the rest of Apple's ecosystem? I think it's an encouraging sign that they built it into the Apple TV because that suggests that they are trying to think a little bit bigger with Siri. It'd be interesting to see if they get it. There's a, there's a Siri product that is the equivalent of the Amazon Echo and Google Home, uh, and you know we'll see. But uh, I do think you make a really good point that Google knows, and we can argue about the creepiness of it, but Google gets to have lots of data about you up in its servers doing and and make very smart, I you know, guesses about what you're doing and what you need. And it's harder for Apple to do that. It's not impossible, but it's harder. And Google's already an advantage at an advantage for all of this because they do this so well. So, you know, definitely uh, Google, there are definitely moments in the IO keynote where, where I sat there thinking, this is what Google's good at. And I'm not convinced that Apple's any good at it. So uh, huge challenges for Apple ahead.
3: Yeah, because Siri seems to be, you know, I, I don't know because I don't use it daily, but it seems to be sort of not where it was when it was released, but so like such small incremental like advancements or changes that I don't really know like what they're doing. I do agree with Jason that the fact that they put it into Apple TV, I guess they're serious about it. And like I imagine like we'll see something at WWDC like uh, Siri wise, right? But yeah, Google kind of has the advantage here. And, you know, it's the whole line about arguing about the uh, creepiness of it. I, I do sort of get that. But like right now, I'm not at all worried about, uh, worried about that because Google seems to be like one of the good guys now. But the amount of data they have, like in the future might really get weird and like dangerous, I guess. But uh as far as Apple goes, I don't know. Siri's really—I don't—I I, expected more, honestly. Like, Siri has been out for yeah almost five years, and like in five years, I—I—I I, I understand it gets better at the things it did, but it, do, it does the stuff that it did at the beginning. So I don't know what they're doing over there, but I, I imagine now that you know Amazon has the Echo and uh, Google has uh, like the Google Home, I'm—I'm uh, I'm hoping they'll do something in that arena because you know competition's good and all of that. So yeah. Here's to that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've I've been on record for a while as saying Apple needs some substantial improvements to Siri, uh, given its longevity and the fact that it really hasn't advanced much since its initial introduction. It's gained a few additional skills here and there, but it really hasn't become that much better at fielding questions. It still kicks you to a web search a lot of time and it doesn't really feel like there's anything actively happening in that space. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Apple is going to change that or if they're just going to pretend that none of these other developments are happening. Uh, as far as Google goes in this area, this is kind of, again, something that's right in their ballawick. Like the idea that, you know, Google has become essentially it's a search box where you type in a question, you get an answer, right? Whether that answer is a bunch of web pages or some other sort of structured query data, you know, that's kind of the interface for what Google is. And so in some ways, evolving that to an AI that can understand your, your normal language queries and just essentially spits out an answer is the ultimate evolution of what Google is becoming. And so to me, it makes sense that it doesn't even really have a name other than, okay, Google, because it's just like you're asking the search engine essentially to tell you the answer to something. Uh, and that's something Siri has always had trouble with in some ways. It kicks you to a web search a lot of times. And without Apple's deep integration into the, you know, those sort of web services, it feels like there's a big chunk missing from it. So, uh, I think that, that, you know, we're moving in this direction of all these intelligent agents. It will be interesting to see how they work together or how they fracture into multiple different little fiefdoms where you have to decide now which intelligent agent you want to answer your question. Well, this one's better at movies, but this one's better at restaurants. Um So I think that will be an interesting... Uh, sort of distinction as this field continues, but yeah, I would I would really like to see Apple come out and and announce that they're doing something uh, for this, but I'm I'm also not holding out hope.
2: Yeah, to your point about the different um I actually saw a demo last week of Viv, which is the assistant created by um, Series creators. They're working on this new. This new version of an assistant and it's, you know, it's not out yet, but, um, the, the demo was cool. It's super fast. It recognizes all of your questions, understands follow up questions. It was basically everything that you would want Siri to be now, but, you know, it's been almost five years and still she doesn't understand half of what I ask and, um, kicks me to web pages a lot of the time. So, um, I I just think there's so much competition in this space and Apple had an advantage in the beginning and is now so far behind that I'm hopeful something will happen at WWDC. But if it doesn't, it'll really make me question, you know, what are they thinking? Like, I should be able to buy movie tickets. You know, Siri should be integrated with Apple Pay. It has all of my information right there. Um, so, hopefully, we'll see something soon.
0: All right, we're halfway through this. We have two more topics left to go. I want to tell you uh, here at halftime about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV. If you've got a career plan that you want to set in motion, if you're looking to start a career in IT or you're already working in IT, uh, certificates, uh, certifications, credentials, all that sort of thing, very important to getting a job or a promotion. IT Pro TV is all about education through engagement. They've got a lot of up to date, high quality videos and access to important tools, all the stuff you need. For technology certification. There's more than 1,000 hours of content. They're adding 50 hours every week. Courses are both streamed live and made available on demand. You can use them with a Chromecast, hey, as like we were talking about, and Roku, PC, iOS, Android, Amazon Fire TV, fourth gen Apple TV, you name it, you can watch the courses from IT Pro TV, System uh, Center Configuration Management, Apple Certified Support Professional, Amazon Web Services, Google Groups for Business, a whole lot more, ethical hacking, security, cryptography, all. all. All the courses are transcribed, so you can sit down and watch an entire course video from start to finish, or you can search the transcript, find the part that you specifically need a refresher on, and jump there and learn something really quickly. So there's one low monthly subscription price, and there's a no-hassle cancellation policy, so there's no reason not to give it a try. If you're studying with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program, it can be a great supplement, so you can learn at your own pace. And track your progress, and it's cheaper than going to a boot camp. If you're a working IT professional, it's a great ongoing resource. It's a continuing education resource you can use to keep your skills up to date. Corporate and group pricing is also available. IT Pro TV has lots of huge clients, including Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and UCSD. I believe those are the four largest. Uh, educational institutions in the world. Uh, don't check my math on that. So go to itpro.tv slash clockwise <laughs> to boost your brain with the most popular IT certifications. And normally, a premium subscription is $57 a month or $570 a year, but you can try it for free for seven days when you sign up using the code clockwise30. You can check out their courses, their live stream, and a whole lot more, and you'll get 30% off for the lifetime of your account. So that's about $40 a month or three ninety nine dollars for an entire year. Go to itpro.tv/clockwise. The code is clockwise30 for 7 days free and 30% off. Thanks to IT Pro TV for sponsoring Clockwise. All right, here's my topic. Google showed at the IO keynote uh, a couple of new technologies, Allo and Duo. These are cross-platform, which is really interesting. They also seem kind of familiar, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I think it's great that Google and Apple and other tech companies see the table stakes changing and realizing they need to participate in what their competitors are doing because their competitors did something that is worth replicating. So in this case, Allo is, uh, it's kind of like iMessage. It's also kind of a lot like WhatsApp and Line and things like that. It's got stickers and stuff in it. Uh, Duo is FaceTime, essentially. Uh, But uh, these are going to be cross-platform, which I think is great. I'm curious, though, what you think of these two things. Um, uh, Is it good that a a platform owner like Google is really trying to replicate the success of some of these uh, other encrypted chat services like WhatsApp? Uh, Is that a a good approach? And uh, how do you feel about Google building a cross-platform version of FaceTime? And uh, can we hope maybe that Apple would link up With them at some point, since this is all standards-based, which FaceTime was supposed to be, but fell into the patent black hole and never emerged. Anjay, what do you think about ALO and DUO?
3: I think it's great for Google to be trying this because the, the first time they tried it, it was a complete disaster. Because the the thing that's uh, most important here is that both of these things, I think, at least I always, is tied to your phone number. Because uh, when they brought out Hangouts, it was, you know, basically you had to log in with your Google account and you could give it your phone number. So it was this weird hybrid of your, you know, Google sort of profile Context and everybody you had with your phone and just, it was a mess. I tried to use that thing. I've maybe opened the app three times since it came out a couple of years ago. I'm actually kind of glad they're giving this a go you know an actual chat app um, which you know is based off of your phone number like WhatsApp I don't know like I, I I hear that Americans don't use WhatsApp that much like over here like pretty much everybody uses it at least. and like people like civilians I call them people that are not tech savvy they all use WhatsApp basically or at least one of the competitors so yeah it's kind of, It's I don't know it's kind of great that they're trying to do it on their own and um, so far the, the only weird thing was the Whole chat bot thing, which you know, when I first even heard about that concept, that the Facebook keynote, I was just, oh what the hell is going on now? Like, I just don't want the robot to be talking back to me or whatever. Mm. Because one of the lines from the presentation was, "You can also talk to Google itself." I I do not want to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as far as the chat app goes, I think it's going to just depend very heavily on what people adopt. Um, you know, WhatsApp, as Andre was saying, very popular in a lot of places, but not so hot in the US. Um, messages for all its shortcomings is still very popular on the ios side because it integrates seamlessly with sms for the most part and so it's you know it's there by default right and that's very powerful so google certainly has a a shot at capturing some of the audience if they're putting that into play on the android side that said their previous experience with things like even google voice and hangouts and the changes they've made there has shown that the you know they they've had a tough time of it in the past. This might be the right solution, but have people been burned too many times and therefore are going to be wary about moving over to a new messaging app. Um, and as far as the Google assistant in there goes, uh, I feel like, I think I said somewhere you can pretty soon you'll just be able to like start a conversation and the Google Assistant will just fill in everything from both sides. And then you'll just, you won't even have to do anything. Um, you'll press a button and Google assistant will just tell you where you, where you are having dinner with whom and when, um, so as far as the cross-platform uh FaceTime video chatting goes, I mean it's a shame that the the patent problems have precluded that so far. Uh, and in some ways, it kind of seems like Apple should maybe, if it can figure out a way around it, just go back to the drawing board, re-architect everything in a way that is compatible with these, you know, more open standards or the kind of stuff that Google's doing. Because it does seem silly right now that in order to have a, you know, a video chat with my friend or relative who's on Android, we have to negotiate, you know, do a handshake process to figure out which apps we have and whether which ones will work cross-platform. Uh, so it's also the good if that becomes sort of standard, you know, you don't have to worry when you make a phone call, you don't have to worry about what platform that you the person you are calling is on. It's universal. It works with everybody. So if we really want video calling to be more of a, uh, you know, easy option for people, then there's really got to be some sort of de facto universal standard for that. So it's good that Google's moving in that direction. It would certainly help a lot if Apple found some way to meet them halfway.
2: Yeah, I don't really see why Google didn't just build these features into Hangouts. I mean, I I just don't get it. I think companies are way too focused right now on trying to own messaging and and the chat bots thing. I totally agree that it's silly. I don't know anyone who will use them. Um, And there are already dominant players. You know, there's not just WhatsApp. There's, you know, depending on what country you live in, there's, you know, Viber or WeChat or whatever app your friends and family are using is the one that you're going to use. So I don't really think that anyone's going to dump the app that they already like to switch to Duo or Allo or Hangouts or whatever Google is trying to push. Um, I already have too many of these things in my life, and I, I really just don't need another app <laughs> that helps me send messages or make phone calls. Like, do something more creative.
3: All right. Uh, we have three topics down. One topic left. Anjè, what do you have for us? So, uh, Android Wear 2.0 is going to be released and it's bringing complications to Android watches. So it's the, you know, we all copy uh, each other's good ideas time in the OS evolution that we saw already with iOS and Android. So is there anything you guys would like to come from Android Wear over to the, to Apple Watch? Like hardware or software? Anything you saw on the Android Wear devices that you'd like to see on the Apple Watch?
1: Uh, I would say that the thing that sort of struck me when they were talking about it today was they, you know, listening to what people do and what people don't do with their smartwatches. And I think that's something Apple needs to take a cue from in terms of whatever they roll out next is trimming, focus on doing fewer things, but doing them. Better, um, and it looks like Google Watch. You know, they they demonstrated kind of the ability to quickly jump into, say, your to do list or jump into Spotify, um, and that is a feature. I think you know we've had complications, like like you suggested, but. The utility of those going beyond the complication is often very slow and very frustrating, and so having some way to quickly access whatever sort of the commonly used feature there uh, is pretty good. I also really like the uh, uh, handwriting input method. Uh, that seems more, oh, yeah. much more useful than the sketching uh, drawing <laughs> app on the Apple Watch, which has really kind of become a joke um so having that is actually there's some utility to that right you don't want to spend your time typing things out on your watch obviously but if you need to jot a quick note that's uh that's all to the good so uh, i think there is definitely some elements in the software that can be uh sort of slimmed down a bit and i think on the hardware side i do have to admit the huge variety of of uh, google Wear android Wear devices while kind of overwhelming at least to show hey there's much more variety than just what metal is your case made out of and what does your watch strap look like? And some of those watches are very attractive. So um, finding maybe some way to expand that lineup, although I am sincerely doubtful that will happen, um, but it would be certainly great to appeal to other
2: styles. Yeah, um, I really agree about the uh, the complications and, and how fast it seemed like you could jump from a complication into an, an action item. Um, the to Todoist one specifically was great. Um, I also loved the automatic exercise tracking, which um, on the Apple Watch, you have to, you know, select the exercise first before it turns on the heart rate sensor and all of that. Um, So I think if if Apple could snag that, that would be great. Something that Fitbits also have. Um, And obviously, Android Wear is at an advantage with the watches that have LTE. Um, So you can use them completely, you know, without your phone. That would be Amazing. I don't know if we'll see that in an Apple Watch this year. Um, I also don't know if I want to pay a separate data plan for my watch, but uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's something I wish for and then I think about paying for it every month and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> but um it would be nice if, if you could use the watch without the phone um in a in a lot of different ways. Um, and Definitely agree on the the variation of styles. I I really like the the round Android Wear watch faces, even though seeing them in person and using them, it's it's a little weird, and the apps kind of look a little weird on a round face. Um, but I do like the variation there. And I don't know about that keyboard and the handwriting recognition. I I was I don't know how I feel about that. I don't love the sketching on the Apple Watch either, but. I just don't see myself using handwriting and, and expecting it to recognize it and send text as I'm planning to. So I just don't see myself ever using that. But and the keyboard, that was that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that was absurd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I uh, Dan and Caitlin covered most of the main points here. I guess I would just throw in that I think the cellular thing is going to happen, and I think there are a lot of good things about it. I'm not sure I want to pay $10 a month on my bill just for, for the watch, but having the watch be something I can take with me because uh, it's on my wrist and not bring my phone with me and still be in touch. There are places, where, if I go, go for a walk or go for a run, where I would totally love to have that, where I don't have to worry about it. And, and the carriers know this and are building plans so that if your phone rings at home, your watch also rings and you all, or you get a text or whatever and it all
3: kind of interconnects and i think that is the future of this stuff like uh most most of the uh, android watches have just the one physical button and i I don't know what apple was thinking with the crown and the the button that supposedly does stuff but nobody really knows what it's there for (laughs) like maybe just simplify that because apparently it can be done with one physical button and I think that that's the one thing that maybe, you know, if, if the next Apple watch comes, maybe it can, can just have one or maybe just the crown that sort of depresses or whatever. But yeah, because there's a button there that nobody uses. Like that's yeah. weird for an <laughs> Apple product. Mm-hmm. The, the, the company that gives you a laptop with one port. <laughs> <Like that's, laughs> there's two buttons on the watch. Too, too I many buttons. Yeah.
1: Too many buttons <laughs> is not usually an Apple problem.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's usually the, – yeah, they, they do this stuff right. And with the watch, I don't know. Yeah. That, okay. That's my thing.
1: Well, that's four topics. Uh, I think we have time for our bonus topic today. Uh, here in the U.S., it's what's known as Upfront Season, which is basically when all the TV networks roll out their new fall slates and we dispose of a number of other, Amer- of other, other TV shows. So my question for you guys are, uh, if you have been following this at all, is there anything that you are interested in that's coming out? Or are there any departing shows that you will miss? Caitlin?
2: So I read that, um, they're making a TV version of The Exorcist starring Gina Davis, who I love. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll be a good show. I haven't heard any advanced buzz around it, but, um, I'm a big fan. And also Shonda Rhimes has a new show coming up and she's just amazing. I don't actually regularly watch any of her shows because they've all been on for like a million seasons and I just can't follow a show for that long, but, um... They're always, they're always hilarious, so I'm excited to see what, what her new show is about.
0: There's a show on Fox called Pitch, which is about the first uh, – it's not real <laughs> – uh, the first woman to become a Major League Baseball player. And it's being done with the cooperation of Major League Baseball. It's being shot in real stadiums with real team logos and everything like that. And how they handle that and tell that story, um, I'm really intrigued by it. I don't know whether it will be a good show or not, but I'm really interested to see what they do with
3: it. I saw they're doing another Prison Break thing at Fox, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which, which – Prison Break, the first season season was all like I really loved the first season and then the second season came Mm-mm. and I did not love that show anymore so I don't know what to think it's just gonna be terrible <laughs> but I'm gonna watch it anyway. <laughs>
1: There are a whole lot of time travel shows coming out, and I feel like I'm going to end up watching at least one of them, but I don't know yet. Uh, I saw a preview the other night for a uh, sitcom called Speechless with Minnie Driver, where she plays the mother of a bunch of kids, including a special needs kid. Um, And actually, the preview made me laugh several times, and I think that's always a pretty good sign when you actually get real laughs out of somebody. So I might have to check that out. Um, And on the cancellations department... Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little sad. that one of the Fox sitcoms I really liked. Grandfather got canceled. I'm kind of bummed about that. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, we've finished up another show. So to our guests, Caitlin McGarry, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you. It was fun as always.
1: Anjay Tomich, thanks for joining us again. Thank you guys again. Another one in the books,
0: Jason. Yep, we made it. I'm always glad we, su- we survived these. Yeah, it's always good. You never know. You never know. But Someday
1: one of us might not. I don't know. Boy,
0: and on that note, we will thank everybody. <laughs> we'll be back next week. But until then, we'll remind you, under penalty of death, watch what you say.
1: <laughs> and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.